Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. How you doing? Oh, man. I'm doing great. You doing? Oh, my. Doing great? Yeah, I'm excited. Why are you excited, David? I got some big news. Big news? I'm excited to hear it. Well, as you know, we recorded our first Ask BP video segment. <laughs> That's, oh yeah, that's yeah. not the news you thought I was going to no, say. That's, that's the joke. Yeah, there. There's a little joke for for me and you. No one else. Yeah, because no one else. It's not up yeah. yet. But no, we did record one, and we're um, waiting on uh, someone who's making a sort of intro to the video yeah, for some us. Graphics. And since the person is doing it for free, we are waiting for them. Yeah, but don't worry, it's, it's coming. Fun. Yeah, um, we we answered your questions, and if you want more of your questions answered, you can always uh, send them to me on on Twitter at the pretension. Right. But that's that's minor. Yeah. Compared to the news we have to announce. That, it was major. Yeah. And it's been, uh, you know... Overthrown. It's been, it's been bumped. Uh, it, 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 yeah, in a, in a bloodless coup. Um, <laughs> Is it bloodless? I don't know. So far. So okay. far. Right. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Knock on wood here. Um, okay. Now, I don't know if you guys remember, probably about a year and a half ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We announced on the show, we actually announced on the show that we were doing... Uh, 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 a live version of Battleship Pretension, sort of right. a comedy show slash the Battleship Pretension you know and love. Yeah, um, that didn't happen, right? Yeah. For a, a couple of reasons. Um, yeah. Shortly thereafter, my life turned upside down. Yeah. Um, and also we were going to do it uh, at at the Ramada Inn as a part of Josh Fadum's Acid Reflux Hour, which he doesn't do anymore. Right. So that sort of fell through. Yeah. Well, guess what, guys? Buckle your seatbelts. This idea is back. No, it's not just an idea anymore. Yeah. This shit is happening. It's almost a reality. Yeah. Uh, all this is tentative, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> if you were to hope... Me- <coughs> I'm hoping by the time this episode goes up, this won't be true, but it might be. But right now, if you were to go to the Meltdown Comics website... Meltcomics.com. Meltcomics.com. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a comic book store here uh, in Los Angeles on Sunset uh, Boulevard. Um they have a sort of a, a space, a gallery slash performance space in the right. back uh, where they host all kind of stuff. And if you were to go on the website right now, it would say that Battleship Retention Live is happening at 8 p.m. on Sunday, February 7th. That is not true. That's not true. That's our fault yeah. that it says that. Don't blame Meltdown Comics. It's yeah. our fault. Um, but uh, it should hopefully, by the time this goes up, but I don't know, maybe in the next couple of days at, the, at at least, it will it will change to the 6th. Saturday the 6th, yeah. February 6th at 8 p.m. at Meltdown Comics. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be movie talk. Yeah. But mostly it's going to be comedy. Yeah. And not don't worry, we're not going to try and be funny. We're going to have actual comedians on there. We are funny, David, but uh, in that uh, in that context, uh, yeah, I'm going to do I'm going to say very little. I'm going to sit back and let the pros handle it. <laughs> yeah. So here's who we got on the show. Okay. Co-hosting with us yeah. will be friend of the show, Ed Salazar. Right. All right. Uh, also confirmed, yep. friend of the show and star of stage and screen, yep. Paul Rust, yep. will be there. Yep. And as anyone who listened to our Spielberg episode with Paul Rust knows that he's hilarious. Yeah. It's going to be great. Yeah. And of course, the other confirmed guest, there's going to be more, the other confirmed guest we have right now, it it, it wouldn't be Battleship Retention comedy without him, Josh Fadum right. will be there. So, so right there, that alone, <coughs> it's going to be five bucks to get in. Yeah. But it's going to be free beer. That's well, right. I was going to say a kind of beer, but I don't know yet what I'm going to buy. Yeah. Probably Takate. <laughs> well, now, David, come on. <laughs> it doesn't have to be that. But it probably will be. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, 
yeah, five bucks to get in, free beer. the The store w- will be open during the time. Um, okay. Uh, or, or yeah, so you can, you know, you get bored with us. You go out, you browse around, buy some comic books. Get there early, buy some comic books. Right, right. It's uh, it's a, it's a really great comic book store. Um, but I, I'm super excited about it, and there are there are more names to come. We just we're already being <laughs> we're already announcing this before we have the date locked down. Right. Technically. I don't want to tempt fate anymore by announcing uh, yeah. uh, our, our other guests who have yet to confirm. Right, right. So um, that's it. Yeah, mark it on your calendar. Saturday, February 6th at 8 p.m. Yeah, if you're going to be in the Los Angeles area, uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be worthwhile. It's it, it'll it, it'll be cheap and there'll be free beer. And right there, that should be enough. Also, great comedy and yeah. movie talk. Yeah, um, I'm excited. And David, I'm also a little nervous. Are you nervous? Oh my god, yeah. You have stage experience. Yeah. I'm terrified. Are you I have stage me? experience with pre-written material, dude. Right. Uh, me just winging it up there. We'll have to write something out, dude, so that I'm not <laughs> quite as nervous. But uh, And you, between the two of us, as far as stage experience, you're better at like improvising than I am because, of course, your legendary uh, award-winning performance when... Oh, in, uh, high, in my high a, school play? Right, when part of a, part of the set fell down yeah. and you had to come up with something on the fly. Yeah, but I also came up with about five minutes of uncontrollable laughter. Uh, well, was, fair enough, yeah. <laughs> we couldn't... We didn't get back to the lines for a few minutes because we were enough. all, you know, giggling. Anyway, uh, so... Those are the, the those are the that's the big announcement. Battleship Retention yeah. Live is happening. Also, the Ask BP video segment will be coming to the BattleshipRetention.com website very soon. Right. Um. Very exciting. Very yeah. exciting news. Uh, the the donation subscriptions seem to be going very well. That's great. And to remind everybody, uh, basically you can click on uh, the subscribe donate button in the uh, donate section of uh, BattleshipRetention.com. And uh, it will automatically deduct two dollars from any from the account of your choosing for the next year. Two dollars one month per month. Yes, thank you. Yes. Not two dollars per year. <laughs> yeah, two dollars per month, and uh, yeah. you, you don't even feel it. You don't even feel it. And of course, uh, all all these announcements. <coughs> don't forget, we're still going to be providing you week after week, right? With an, an uh, about an hour of of great, well thought out. Uh, <laughs> d- movie discussion right for free, for free. That's correct. Yes. So, so yeah, the uh, free part so is correct. The well thought out part is not correct. Obviously. Um. <laughs> all right. So uh, now before we get to the topic, David. Yeah. I want to venture you into get, something that is not our. It's not our turf. You, but you got something stuck in your craw. It is uh, wedged in there, <laughs> and it has taken a few days to get wedged in. And everybody knows probably where I'm headed with this. As I said. This is more Paul Goebel's territory than ours, but you are inhuman if you don't have an opinion about this. Yeah, well, One you know, we are, in addition to being movie nerds, we are comedy nerds, and that's a big part of that's true. our show. We, we've, we've never tried to hide that. Yeah. Now... It's probably why we're such a niche show. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's probably... Yeah. <laughs> Slash Film is like, hey, we got Jason Reitman and James Cameron, and we're like, hey... Sean Conroy, Jason and Nash, Jason Nash, and here's the thing that may sound like a burn on them. I was so excited to have Sean Conroy, Sean Conroy, and Jason Nash. You on know the what? Show. I I've listened to interviews with Jason Reitman, Jason Nash, and Sean Conroy, and everybody else on our show is way funnier than Jason Reitman. Oh, there's no question. I want to ask Dave Chen about about that interview because I I haven't listened to it. Okay, I listened to Jason Reitman on the treatment. Yeah. Did you listen to that? No, I didn't. Comes across as kind of a dick. Really? So I wanted to ask, certainly off air. Yeah, but I want to get Dave's opinion on whether or not Jason Reitman is a dick. 
But you'll say this stuff on air on our show. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you what Dave says. Oh, okay. Conceivably, uh-huh. Dave Chen could help us get somebody like a Jason Reitman. Yeah, that's why I'm not going to... I told you I'm going to ask him. Oh, okay. I'm not going to tell... I'm not going to report back what he says. Oh, okay. In fact, knowing Dave, I, mean, I don't know him that well, he'll probably say nice things about him no matter what. That's true. The only people I know that he's uh, ever insulted are... It's probably us, I would say. Sure, yeah. But uh, And we had it coming. Yeah, that's true. We don't really stand to... Uh, he doesn't stand to lose or gain anything by uh, keeping us <laughs> as friends or enemies. Um, but anyway, so... Uh, so a few days ago, there was a rumor, and it has been since confirmed. Confirmed today. Yes, but de- denied on the de- on Thursday. It was denied on Thursday, confirmed today. All right? The Jay Leno show, which was on at 10 o'clock in Los Angeles, and it was an hour-long comedy show, and by all accounts, I saw one episode of it, the premiere episode of it, and uh, by all accounts, quite terrible. A lot of people really didn't like it. Um... Now, granted, we know a lot of comedy snobs, and so our, you know, we don't exactly have our fingers on the pulse of, you know, normal, regular people. Right, but, but but we still have the ratings. We can still look right. at the ratings. Right, and also just like they, I mean, they, NBC didn't cancel it because we comedy snobs didn't like it. Exactly, <laughs> and uh, and stuff like Entertainment Weekly gave it a bad review, and so it was like one of the worst things of the year. Yeah, and Entertainment Weekly. Uh, they don't have remarkably high standards. They have higher than than normal. Ken they Tucker can they is can usually... be a little populist, but yeah, I like yeah. Ken. their Ken TV Tucker's reviews are actually probably the best part of the Ken I Tucker s- and Jillian Flynn are the two main reasons that I read Entertainment Weekly. Yeah, I'd say I'd say that's about right. I do enjoy Ken Tucker, and so, um, so yeah, it was not a good show, and uh, and I remember a lot of people, myself included, were kind of excited for it because uh, anytime I hear like Jay, Jay Leno like on the Dennis Miller show or something like that. He's actually quite funny. Uh-huh. I find him very funny in like off the cuff moments when he's just like talking with friends. Mm-hmm. Um he he appeared in Comedian, right? Sure, um, yeah. with uh, Jerry Seinfeld and I liked him in that as well. And so everyone's saying, "Oh, now his now's his chance to do like more cutting edge stuff or or just be more naturalistic uh in his in his comedy." Cuz it's his show, it's <laughs> right. not the Tonight show. Right. And he can he doesn't have to try and live up to a brand. He can just make his own brand now yeah um and in, in hindsight that was wishful thinking wasn't it very much so yes um and so uh the show was not very good uh and so and the, as you said the ratings were very poor and a lot of other people including i read a statement by one of the heads of cbs which incidentally has nothing to do with the jay leno uh-huh. show she commented on how poor nbc uh, how poorly nbc has has uh worked with Jay Leno and trying to keep the show going, and now they're moving the show from ten o'clock to eleven thirty-five p.m. His That's official par- now. That is official. Okay, I, then you're you're ahead of of me. Yeah. News wise, it's 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 official now. I got I got to read. I got I got to check Twitter. Yeah, it sounds like. And so it will go from a one-hour show to a half-hour show, and now, of course, I'm sure you're thinking, well, wait a second, eleven thirty-five. That's uh, that's the Tonight Show time slot. Not so. Um, now that I now that I mention this, I think the only thing that's official is that the Jay Leno show is done at ten. That's not going to happen anymore. 
but I think they did say that the the next logical thing, all the rumors are probably okay. going to be true that it will now be at eleven thirty five because they they've said they're not going to break contact contract with Jay Leno. They are going to keep him on somehow, and that's probably how it's going to be. Uh-huh. They don't. They have not yet commented on what Conan has said about this because basically what what will happen if everything goes the way NBC seems to want it to go. <clears throat> Leno will be on at 11.35 till, till, till uh, 12.05. Tonight's show will be on 12.05 to 1.05, and then... Uh, late so Jay Leno will only be a half an hour. He'll only be a half hour. Huh. Yeah, and uh, and then, of course, it'll bump Jimmy Fallon to, let's see... Two? 1.05 to 2.05. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so, granted, it only bumps everything back a half hour, but it's just... It's such a weird... It just seems so strange to me... Uh, the commitment, and I, I don't want to be one of those people who talks about, oh, I hate Jay, a lot of people have talked about how much they hate Jay Leno. I don't find him very funny, and a lot of his insistence on coming back and all that and just seemed not necessarily petty, but not necessarily uh, kind of selfish. Like, he agreed to step aside, and now it's Conan's turn. Yeah. And by, even just with the regular 10 o'clock show, it's still like, nah, it's me first, and then it's Conan. Yeah, you know, and that's why it's not just him not being funny anymore. Right. That's, the, I think, the main reason why he's such a, or at least should be such a hated figure among comedy fans. Yeah. Because if you look at, like, other, I don't know, I don't want to go so far as to call him, like, a statesman, but he is sort of like an old school, like, it, it, his his name means something, you know? Leno? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But if you look at the, the, the older comics who are respected now. Yeah. Or respect, you know, who who get who maintain their respect. Yeah, it's the ones who maintain their own respect for comedy yeah. and for the people for the for the craft and for the people coming up. You know, you hear stories about Rodney Dangerfield being great to young comedians, and, and yeah. like uh, uh, I can't think of any more examples on the top of my head. Even even Bob Saget, whom yeah, that's that's I mean, Bob Saget. You and I don't think he's very funny, right? right. Most of the people that I you know. No, in the comedy world, also don't think that Bob Saget's very funny. Yeah, but you always hear about how nice he is to young comedians. Yeah, and that's why I don't think there's ever going to be a Comedy Central roast of Jay Leno because everyone actually hates him. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like you could do a roast of Bob Saget because uh, yeah, nobody thinks he's funny, but they like him. Yeah, and uh, another example I think is somebody that I mentioned him earlier, Dennis Miller. He has actually helped a lot of young comedians along in their in their career early on because he says, you know, I remember what it was like to be early on and get the help of certain people. Um, and so I think, yeah, but he's just trying to get them to vote Republican. That's, exactly, that's his right, real. Yeah, he's trying, <laughs> that's his real motive. Um, but uh, but it, I was reading an article in which uh, somebody said, you know, Leno's mentor was uh, Johnny Carson, uh-huh. and when Johnny Carson bowed out, he was out. Like he didn't do a like he did one appearance notably on Letterman, but it wasn't. I think it was maybe a year after he was gone. Like he let he did not want to stay, take any of the spotlight from Leno or Letterman or anybody else. He ha- he figured he had his time, and I guess there was talk about Leno being kind of forced out, and he was kind of upset about it. But so I guess it's a little different than voluntarily retiring. But Leno could have said, "No, I'd rather not be." I think I'd like to stay on another few years. Um, but he didn't. He just went ahead with it, and I feel like he kind of made his bed, now he has to lie in it. Um, and it's just... But no, he didn't. He didn't even allow Conan, like, a year to 
gain a following. You know? Yeah. And then everybody, so everybody talked about the effect that the Jay Leno show had on on NBC and other networks. Um, and it's actually really been, it was laid out really well over on the Paul Goebel show when he talks about the effect that it had on NBC that they all of a sudden had to move certain shows to an earlier time slot when they shouldn't have been, like a, like Law & Order, in which it's like, uh, this is not appropriate at this time yeah. slot because now kids can watch. And yeah, it's the reason to. they had to cancel Southland, <laughs> yeah. which thankfully TNT picked up. Right. I, mean, I, I actually don't watch Southland, but I've heard good things, and I'm, I'm glad for the people who work. Uh, you know what? Every time I hear this is a little bit of a tangent, but every time I hear of a show getting canceled, yeah. even as a show I hate, yeah. now having like worked as a PA and stuff, I always think, oh, that sucks. People got to look for work now. Oh, yeah. You know? So that's why I'm glad that someone picked up Southland, because yeah. those people get to keep their jobs. <laughs> um, and I've heard it's good. but Yeah, I, I have as well. And so the... Uh, and I, as I've been following the story, I've been reading comments, and there's actually Jay Leno has quite a few supporters, like people who think he's funnier than than Conan. I mean, I've I've read in various message boards like Conan being called a hack, and somebody commented that it's just like, yeah, look at Conan's uh, ratings, and now look at and look at what uh, Leno's was. They should just go ahead and take Conan out and put Leno back in the Tonight Show. It's just like, yeah, but Conan's new. Not to mention Letterman had a scandal. Like, it's just and Conan. By all accounts, had a really bad lead-in in Jay Leno, in the Jay Leno show. Yeah, or uh, the nightly news. Right, but right. That's the whole thing, yeah. that That's the whole reason they canceled it, because it, so, the Jay Leno show was cheap to produce. Right. So it didn't really bother them, but it was the affiliates who were complaining, because right. they weren't getting uh, people holding they weren't holding on to any audience right. for their nightly news right that's apparently the main that like all the most of the affiliates in the country were complaining about yeah the Jay Leno show and so it's just uh it's just it's but what do you think well hey I, I mean i uh, maybe this is going to be snobbish of me but i think i think the main reason that conan is losing to letterman is because uh a lot of americans just don't like conan I suppose I suppose I don't see him as a remarkably unlikable person. Even his, even no, some of his humor, it's not nearly as absurdist as it was on uh, late yeah. night. But he's new and he's 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 weird. Yeah, he, you know, at least for like a a, a a normalish person. Yeah, who's used to Jay Leno. Yeah, even though Conan has te- you know uh, what's what I'm looking for, toned it down a bit. Yeah, he's still weird. But I feel like. I mean, when Leno took over from Carson, he was getting trounced by Letterman. He was being destroyed because Letterman was the... People knew who Letterman was, but people didn't really know. They knew a little bit because Jay Leno was guest hosting The Tonight Show quite a bit. But they still didn't know him that well, and certainly not as well as they knew Letterman. And so he just... He didn't do well either, and people seem to have forgotten that. And just Conan, yeah, he hasn't made his, his bones at that time slot yet, but he will, and people will find him. And, you know, and Letterman's going to be going off the air pretty, like, within, a, uh, what, a year or two? And so then, who knows what's going to happen? Then it's going to be all Conan, and I don't know what they're going to do. If they, It'd be interesting if they bumped Ferguson up to uh, the 11.35 time slot. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, yeah, so it's just, th- this whole story is just so bothersome. Not to mention, just in general, it just seems so disrespectful of Conan. Like, they bend over backwards to accommodate Leno, and everything uh, everything about their behavior towards Conan seems like some kind of vague afterthought. Yeah. Um, where it's oh, I think like, our our friend uh, 
um, uh, Jen Kirkman said on said it best on Twitter. Okay. She said what they're doing to Conan is kind of like telling the retarded retarded kid in your class that you guys could be secret friends after school. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and just it seems to me that when the time came and they started thinking about putting Leno in the eleven thirty five slot, the first person they should have gone to is Conan. And maybe they did, mm-hmm. but. If they have, they certainly have not trumpeted that, and it seems like they would to make it seem like everything's very, very nice and amicable and stuff like that. But uh, I don't know. And there's uh, and in every article, there's all this talk about, like, oh, Conan might want to leave because he's been disrespected, and then maybe Fox will snatch him up. And uh-huh. I don't know. It just... I'd rather Fox took Jay Leno, and uh, <laughs> I, like, I want Conan to hang on to the Tonight Show name, and I want the yeah. Tonight Show to mean something again. Yeah. That'd yeah. be nice. That would be nice. And uh, anyway, we should so, get into the topic. Absolutely, yeah. Sorry, everybody. It's just uh, it's it's, you know when Conan was on after the Tonight Show, he was a bit of a cult favorite. He was a cult hit. So let's get into it, shall we? We're going to talk about cult movies, as was as was uh, um, suggested to us by uh, some listener or other. Sakari and Rita. Yeah, whom we uh, that, that that video segment's not going to make any sense now. That's true. <laughs> oh, man, that's true. That, no, that, that's fine. We okay. said in the video segment, which isn't up yet, that we were going to do an episode on cult movies. Now, yeah. it will have already been done by the time the uh, video Maybe comes I'll out, Maybe I'll just cobble okay. together a, a little graphic and uh, just put it up as the first one. And uh, what do you think? We'll see. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk about, about cult movies. Now, right. we've, now we've talked David about movies. The charge. We've talked about movies before. We'll be we talked with... Uh, uh, we talked about just playing bad movies with Frank Conniff. Right. We talked about movies that are so bad they're good. Yeah. We talked about Guilty Pleasures right. with Pat Healy. A lot of those movies are going to be in, uh, sort of fall into this cult thing, you right. know? So um, there's two ways we could go with this. Okay. We could go the easy, fun way and just talk about our favorite cult movies. Okay. Or we could go the Battleship Pretension way <laughs> and talk about what makes a cult movie. Why is a cult movie a cult movie? You know, I think some people might find that to be fun. <laughs> but not easy. No, not certainly not easy. No, we don't like to make it easy on our listeners. That donate button's still there, though. <laughs> so I, 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 I just started throwing together just a, a huge list. Okay. Uh, I have no list in front of me, so David, go right ahead. Yeah, and, uh, but the main reason I mean I'm not going to get to all these movies. I've got like two pages of movies here. Um, but I was just sort of looking for through lines, looking for what makes, right. you know, uh, a movie, a cult movie, and I, uh, um, the 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 main thing for me is, uh, uh it's a, a, generally it's a well made movie that for some reason, yeah, be it violence or sex or just subject matter or tone, yeah, is unpalatable to a large number of people. Okay, that's what makes it a cult movie because it, it gets its cult status both by the fact that only some people are going to like it, yeah, and by the the fact that you get to be a fan of something that most people hate, which has a little bit of cachet. But I'm not even I'm not even 100 percent sure if that if that works either. Because See, now we're getting into it. Beca- indeed, yes, because <laughs> modern cult movies that might have been true in like I think 70s, 80s, maybe even the 90s a little bit. But like modern cult films are films that for, maybe just didn't get the promotion that they needed, and so people just didn't see, weren't aware of well, them. Name or some examples them. here. Big Lebowski is a cult film. Yeah. No one, Office Space is a cult film. Yeah. You know, and these were movies that have been pretty widely accepted now, 
in various gener you know for various generations. It's not just like the younger generations like oh this Big Lebowski movie is great. A lot of older people like but, it as well. Uh, Big Lebowski is also a movie about a stoner in which the word fuck is said a million times. That's true. So it, it that's this is what I'm talking about. It's not a mainstream movie. But it's not Rocky Horror either. You know no, what I mean? Uh, I'm not saying that it's it's crazy, but there's something that people objected to. There's something that made it seem outsidery. I suppose, yeah. Um, but I don't think at the time, because the thing is, like, fuck is said, uh, probably more than it was said in Fargo, but it was said a lot in Fargo. Yeah. Pretty much. Granted, in Fargo, I think it was centralized to one character, um, played by Steve Buscemi, but Fargo was accepted by a lot of people, and I guess it's a different kind of, of movie, yeah, but I mean, a lot of Far- people Fargo, like Fargo and Big Lebowski was the follow. But if you look, Fargo is actually an interesting thing because a lot of people uh, who like Fargo um, aren't what like they like it because of the the crime story element, not right. because of the fact that it's hilarious, <laughs> which it is. <laughs> yes, it is. It, uh, I I would almost consider it a comedy first. It's that it's that funny to me. Well, didn't uh, when AFI released their list of comedies, I believe Fargo was on it. Really? Yeah, and uh, and I remember at the time you were very proud of the AFI. <laughs> so, um, which is such a rare feeling, being proud of the AFI. That institution is. Uh, but wasn't their first one on that list? Some like it hot. Wasn't that number yeah. one? Which I I like some like it hot, but it's not. It's nowhere near. No. Like, and I think it's number two. Like it's either it's number two or three. Like it was either it was Tootsie and Doctor Strangelove, both of which are much funnier than yeah, some like it hot. But anyway. Um, yeah, you know what? We can spend another episode on the AFI because <laughs> okay. I have definite opinions on there because I think they might have stock in some of these films. Um, and so, uh, so you, so you say that basically it's 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 hard to define, but there's right. got to be some kind of weirdness. Okay, you know that uh, that almost naturally has to only end up appealing to right uh, a niche, you know. Now, when I think of a cult film, and this, again, this might just be based on movies that I think of, like Big Lebowski or Office Space or, I don't know, American Psycho or something like that, they don't have an audience right away, but they wind up being almost more successful in, the f- in you know, years following than yeah. some films were in their initial release, as far as just being remembered and just a wide, a, a large number of people liking them. And so, so it's weird. When I think of cult films, I still think of them as being like truly successful eventually, uh-huh. um, and not necessarily always appealing to a just a small group of people. I do think of them as as gaining popularity over the years. But it's still, you, you... I, I still think it, it it stays within some sort of subculture. You know, okay. just looking at my at my list, you know. Um, the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the Eighth Dimension is a movie that ha- and that movie has legs. It has yeah. continued to sell DVDs and 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 T-shirts and people yeah. still like it, but it's never gonna be like Office Space might be the exception because eventually, you know, my dad saw and liked right. Office Space, you right. know, uh, but you know, our our parents were never gonna get on board with Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the Eighth Dimension. That's true. That's true. Which is their loss, by the way. <laughs> the movie is awesome. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, what are some of the other, I mean, you've got the list in front of you. What are some of the other films that you would, that you would classify in this way? Uh, well, um, uh, I put, I put Harold and Maude on here. That's, a, that's another one that, I mean, 
Okay. It it starts out with a series of scenes of a kid very convincingly faking his suicides. Yeah. You know, that's not it's not palatable to a lot of people. I I, I feel like I'm going to I feel like I'm talking down or condescending to a large portion of America. They don't listen to this, buddy. <laughs> they can go over slash film if they want, uh, um, you know. But but it is something weird, you know, and uh <clears throat> and Harold Mods is because I wrote Harold and Maude right right below it. I wrote Pink Flamingos, <laughs> which are two. Pink Flamingos is uh, brazenly, proudly weird. You oh, know? Uh, weird is even being like really nice, horrifying. Yeah, it's it's crazy. One. Yeah, um, but Harold and Maude is it's it's a it's a well told well told story, but it, it's but it's a movie that's for the most part. Uh, pretty conventional in its yeah. techniques, at least. You yeah. know, uh, it's just the story is there's a kid faking a suicide, and then he has like a, a romantic affair with a woman who's much, much, much older than than he is. Yeah, and that's just weird. Yeah, and uh, it, and I feel like I'm going to overuse the word weird this episode, but yeah, it, it it's the oddball, and it, strange. It's, it's you not can even throw those out. <laughs> sure. It's not even that. I think this is weird. I'm just saying from if you have some sort of scale. Of normalcy, you know. Yeah. If if you have like this, okay, this right here in the middle, uh, you know, this is normal. Okay. You know, uh, based on the way that most Americans live their lives, or most people, you know, in any part of the world live their lives, this is normal. Harold Mott is not going to be too close to that because of the how weird the story is. Right. Or the story is going to be considered weird because it's not. Uh, anyway, it's not the kind of story a lot of people are looking for. But do you think? Let me ask you this: Do you think? That because Harold Mod was that was made. In, what year was that made? I don't know. It was it was in the seventies though, right? Sure. Okay. Or was it the late sixties? Uh, let's say seventy one. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen Harold and Mod, everybody. So uh, sorry. Oh, you'd like it. Would I? Yeah. Okay. Friend of the show, Jason Eakin, really hates it, and uh, the huh. reasons that he gives sound like. Reasons that I wouldn't, uh, you know, that I would have for not liking it like as well. It. Stop checking your phone. I'm not. I'm not I was going to tell you what you're Harold and Maude. Oh, okay. Did. All right. Fair enough. By all means, check your phone. Um, <laughs> but let me ask you this. Uh-huh. Is that um, the story of Harold and Maude, which is kind of a, it's, it's weird because it's considered a cult film now, I would say. But the story of Harold and Maude, I think now, if you make a movie now, is probably pretty is pretty mainstream, I would say. As you mentioned, it's not that it, it's it's done in kind of a strange, oddball, weird way, but the story is is fairly conventional, and so I feel like the thing are cult films like do they are they trying to offend people's sensibilities? And if that's the case, don't they just have to progressively get more? I think that I think you're talking about a certain strain of cult films okay. so is trying to you know like John Waters films right uh, before he started to just I, I guess not realize what sensibilities were anymore and make really dumb movies yeah did you see a Dirty Shame no I heard oh. it was horrifying oh sad yeah sad we saw Cecil be demented though we yeah. we enjoyed that yeah that was good um, or like you know there's always you know it's like Cannibal Holocaust which I have never seen and will never see right um, yeah I guess. I guess trying to offend people's sensibilities is going to get you some audience. Yeah. You know, but in order to have, I think, the legs that a cult film has, it has to also be good, you know? I'm looking at one of the 
movies on my list, which is uh, Battle Royale, the Japanese film. Ah, yes, which uh, you you recommend to me, and then you told me about it, and it's like, ah, it's on the queue, but it's pretty low. You have no idea how awesome that movie is, by the way. <laughs> and I was skeptical going in, too, because I heard the story. For those who don't know, I'm sure a lot of people do know, but for those who don't know, it's... Uh, 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 a, a class full of school children is uh, they're, they're in like sort of their mid-teens I guess brought to an island and each is given a weapon and uh, they all have to kill each other the last one alive and they, all have, and they only have three days to do it so they can't just like you know make a society out there on the island right if they're not all dead in, except for one in three days then they all die I think oh. it's three days yeah um, so they all they, they have to Kill each other, and yeah. there's only going to be one survivor. It's it's crazy. And what it, does a survivor get aside from just being alive? Does he get some I, I kind of remember. prize? Maybe. Okay. I don't remember. And you know, it was sexist of me to say he. It could be she. <laughs> well, you haven't seen the movie. you got to see it. Right. Um, uh, so, yeah, I was skeptical, too. Right. And, of course, there's a lot of really crazy stuff in the movie. You know, there's, you know, children getting knives thrown through their heads and, and all kinds of... <laughs> Crazy stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it's also an amazingly well-made movie, and I think that's why it's 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 not famous or, or you know, whatever it is, <laughs> because it's so crazy. Right. It's because it's so well-made okay. and crazy, you know? Yeah. If a movie were that well-made and didn't have that uh, that element to it, it would be... Regular successful as opposed to cult successful. <laughs> right. So it, it has to be with the, it has to it has to those two. That's the crossroads right right there. You know, good right. filmmaking and some something that's somehow weird or unpalatable to the majority of people. But that's the thing is that you know, Pink Flamingos. Uh, admittedly, I've not seen it. It could be the best movie out there. But from what I hear, it's not. Nineteen seventy one. Nineteen seventy one. Okay. Yeah. Well done. That, and you just picked that right out of your head. Um. But Pink Flamingos, I've heard, is not very good. It's Hold on. What? Breaking news. Breaking news, everybody. Oh, man. I, 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 just, got, I just got an email here on my BlackBerry. Okay. Uh, we have a confirmed headliner for the Fe- February 6th live show. Assuming it's happening on February 6th. Oh, God help us if it's not. All right. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure it will. That won't yes. be a problem. Uh, who is uh, our headliner for Battleship Pretension Live, David? Uh, he's a friend of the show. Friend of the show, you say? Hasn't been on in quite some time. He's oh only been on once. Okay. Uh, Mr. Jimmy Pardo. Jimmy Pardo? Jimmy Pardo is headlining the Battleship Retention Live show. All right. On uh, <laughs> on February 6th at 8 p.m. at Meltdown Comics. Right. Oh, I'm so glad that that happened while we were recording. I know. You you <laughs> thought it might, and then it did. It's wow. the reason I usually don't even, I usually don't keep my phone with me when we record. Right. The only reason I did is because I was expecting an email and I wanted to make sure. And now you can turn it off, right? Sure. Okay. <laughs> um, well, that's very exciting. Good, good news, everybody. Yeah. Um, that also means hopefully we'll get a nice big bump uh, if he mentions it on his show. Now we're talking. Um, but yeah, and so as I was saying, Pink Flamingos is not good. It does seem to just be made to just be crazy because, from what I hear, the story is all about people who are trying to win the coveted coveted title of most disgusting person in the world and so they just keep doing disgusting things <laughs> which doesn't seem like a pleasure to watch in fact it really does seem to be like an endurance test for the audience um during which divine uh eats feces uh-huh. and uh a guy has sex with i think a ch- not with a chicken but a chicken is involved yeah 
It's like in between him and the woman yeah. he's having sex with, thus destroying the chicken, right? Killing the chicken, basically. Uh, Spoilers. Yeah, I, I, I haven't seen it since I was in like 10th grade. When okay. I was, yeah. And uh, what did you think of the film? It's Here's the thing. It's it's well made. Is it? Okay. In a, in a way. I mean, right. it's... It's committed to its premise, certainly. Yeah, and it's... it. There's something inspired. It's not just like, you know, okay, after American Pie right. came out, in, yep. that was at 99 or 2000? 99. 99. Um, there were a whole bunch of, like, raunchy sex comedies, which, right. I mean, there always have been, but that American Pie sort of started a new wave yeah. of them, you know? And uh, one of them was Tomcats with <laughs> Ratio Sands and uh, uh, Jerry O'Connell, is that? Yeah, and, and uh, Jake Busey, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen one clip of it, and that was in the film Anger Management. <laughs> yeah. And Anger Management is not a good movie, and the, even they are making fun of Tomcats. Yeah. <laughs> but there's there's stuff that happens in Tomcats um, that is... Uh, I, I'm not even going to say. It, it's just it, it's It's gross, but it's like almost unimaginatively gross. You know, okay. it's just trying to gross you out. Such as what? I I don't want to talk about it. Oh, okay. Like, a, a guy has like uh his you know it infected inflamed testicle removed and it ends up on someone's dinner plate. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just trying too hard. <laughs> um. Sorry I asked. <laughs> You're right to not want to say that or think it. But it's it it, it it's trying too hard is what I'm saying. Yeah. But filming someone actually have naked having sex and putting a live chicken in between them. That's crazy. Yes. Who would have thought of that? Someone Some. who is an artisan <laughs> at 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 fucking with people's sensibilities. Right. You know, and that's what in at his, in his heyday, that's what John Waters did. Yeah. You know, even uh even in his more sort of accessible movies like like Hairspray or um or Crybaby, you right. know, there's still uh, it'll still never be accepted completely because he's again weird. Yeah, his he's coming at everything that happens in his movies from uh a, a just a, an unexpected angle and dare I say a personal angle. You know, I would definitely say that. Yes, a, every one of his films that doesn't suck. You know, which is up through. I even like kind of like Pecker. But that uh, maybe yeah, I think I think it's all right. The Pecker and like Cecil B. Dimension maybe were like the last ones that were yeah. that were good. Uh, but up through then, they're all clearly made by the same person. You yeah, know, yeah. he's uh, he's definitely an auteur. He's got a point of view, and that's what makes Pink Flamingos better than Tomcats or right. Or that that's why it's not just a movie that's trying to offend people. Like what, what was that? What was that uh, movie that was direct to DVD that you could buy late at night? That the uh, the uh, Fucking ShamWow guy, uh, it was what was it called? Oh, I don't recall. Oh, friend but of the sh- friend of the show, Mike Schmidt, would definitely know that. <laughs> Vince is the name of the ShamWow guy, but I don't yeah. recall what it was. But you know what I'm talking about? It had uh, Michael Clark Duncan in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That uh, was clearly just a movie made to offend people, right? And didn't have a point of view. I'm I'm guessing based on the commercials, by the way. Right, I, yeah, I didn't yeah. see it or anything. Uh, but it's like the kind of movie that has. Uh, beautiful women uh, taking gnarly dumps. You know that that was in, that was in the in the trailer or in the, in the yeah, commercial. Yeah. Like that's the kind of comedy. Uh, sorry, quotes are on that. Yeah, uh, that's the kind of comedy he's yeah. uh, that movie's going for. It's not uh, inspired. 
the way that Pink Flamingos is. Well, let me... Okay, so now what I will say is that I think John Waters, as, as you say, he's he, he has... He's an auteur. Uh-huh. He's uh, he's kind of crazy. And I would say he's very committed to his premises. Um, so let me... So when he does something that's that's, you know, uh, that he 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 knows it'll be offensive certainly, mm-hmm. but he feels like this is what I have to do, and so he so he still does it because he knows this is what needs to be done for the story I'm telling. Mm-hmm. Something that I know that you have you've commented on uh, on the show in the past for the life of me I could not tell you what episode or what the topic was, but I know that there are films. I you know what I think it might have been in your blog for Midnight Meat Train. Uh huh. That there are there seem to be these days probably I think it's maybe developed in the last ten fifteen years um, movies that seem to be made to be cult films uh-huh. like they they like everybody associated with said all right this thing is gonna be this is gonna be like a cult film it's not gonna be successful right away but it will be give it time um, yeah and that's uh, an okay way to think about it I'll tell you why okay. Because we're not talking about snakes on the plane here, which is right. aiming for a different kind of cult status. Okay, what kind? Well, uh, define that. What is it? What is? How would you define snakes on a plane? Because some would say it is a cult film. I, I don't know because I, I never saw it, but they, oh, they're they're, they're aiming for some sort of ironic, uh, so bad it's good, right? Thing, which is never going to happen if you're aiming for that. The yeah. whole point of so bad it's good is that. Yeah. Uh, except is, for maybe Showgirls, which we should talk about in a bit. Okay. Have you seen Showgirls? No. I, I didn't haven't. think you had. <laughs> um, I don't think I need the disdain in your voice. No, that's the Showgirls is a movie that I still have dif- difficulty parsing. It, yeah. It's tough to figure out. Um, but I what were we talking think about? Wrapped in a riddle. What movie were we talking about? Midnight Meat Train. Right. That is not so much, I think, aiming for cult status as it is because of. Um, the internet and uh, the way that people are connected, the way that uh, groups of like-minded people can form and and know each other, you know, uh, it's essentially just appealing to a niche, which is, I think, already, I mean, that's that's an established and acceptable marketing strategy, you know? So I don't think that Midnight Meat Train is aiming to be a cult movie. It's just aiming to be a niche. I might be... Going against something that I said in the blog. No, I think uh, that's probably correct. <laughs> um, but that, that's the way you know. That's the way I feel about it now. Not a year and a half ago when I saw Midnight Meat Train. Right. Which is great, by the way. You oh, saw- I yeah. have, and and I do enjoy it, and it it is very, very obviously trying to appeal to a certain. Now, Sci-Fi has been showing Midnight Meat Train has lately, it? and uh, I haven't watched it on Sci-Fi, but I'm going to say go ahead and rent it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you don't want to see that movie edited. No. What's the point? Story-wise, there's not really enough there for you uh, if the gore and violence... And I'm not even a gore and violence kind of person. I Neither am I. That's another thing we talked about in our very first episode. Yep. Which is no longer available. That's right. About how we're... Uh, the older we get, not that we're old yet, we're still, you know... I'm feeling old, by the way. But I'm, You've always been an old soul. Um, the, the older we get, the more squeamish we become, you know? But yeah. somehow... Occasionally, there's a movie like a Midnight Meat Train. Yeah, that's a the 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 gore is it's there to be gore, but it's also artfully done. I would say, yeah, maybe not maybe not tastefully, but artfully, right? Uh, and it also takes place in a world where it's okay that that happened because I don't really, yeah, I don't. That's not a real world. That's a, a, a I don't really 
fit in there. It's yeah. uh, I, I don't know people like that. Yeah. They're th- those I, I don't know any people in my life who are characters whose only purpose is to die. <laughs> you yeah, know, that's true. Yeah. and that's what those characters are. So it's okay if they die because that's they're just fulfilling their life's goal, right. which was <laughs> right. to get killed by some sort of uh, monster. Anyway, like if you if you're a ninja in a film, well, come on now, yeah, we all know what you're what you're trying to do. Um, so th- that that was the main the main thing I wanted to get at. Is that there's there's something about it that's uh, askew. Yeah, that's okay. Unpalatable, weird, askew. Those are the three words that I've used to describe this phenomenon that makes cult films for okay. the most part. All right, you know, um, like most of the films of David Lynch, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with the exception of maybe The Elephant Man, which is also still very much a David Lynch film. But yeah, uh, uh, it's I don't know. What do you think is his most accessible film? If you're not an art film fan, Straight Story. Straight Story. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Of course, yeah. Straight but Story and then, The Elephant Man. I could see people finding Straight Story boring, but I don't know. Yeah. And there's something weird about Sissy Spacek's whole performance, which is good. Yeah, yeah. But it's like... Yeah, it, it, anyway. Um, so, yeah, David Lynch, Terry Gilliam, of course, is a, is a big one. And these are all people who have points of view that yeah. are somehow... Uh, that are very unique. Ah, damn it. What? Nothing can be very unique. I hate when I say stuff like that. It's either unique or it's not. You can't. It's when talking about degrees, films, I think you can be very unique. There's no degrees of uniqueness. I know. Um, so the films of Terry Gilliam, the films of Tim Burton before he, uh, I, I, I don't know. Oh, bought into his own hype. Incidentally, uh-huh. I think I may have mentioned when discussing Alice in Wonderland that Miranda Richardson is in it as the Red Queen. Uh-huh. That is not true. I got mixed up in my head. Miranda Richardson has played. The Red Queen. She was in the made-for-TV yes. one. Did you say that on the podcast? I think I did. Because if, if you did, I must not have been listening, because I know that. Well, I know that you tend to tune me, tune me out. Um, <laughs> you, you do go on. <laughs> that's true. Um, no, it's in fact Helena Bonham Carter, which of course, I like Helena Bonham Carter, but uh, uh, all right. So, that's one, so now all I've got is Stephen Fry as the Cheshire Cat. So <laughs> Helena Bonham Carter is to Tim Burton as Rebecca Pigeon is to David Mamet. <laughs> <laughs> Except Helen Bottom Carter can act. Oh god, that's mean. But State and Maine, she's good in State and Maine. Re- Rebecca Pigeon. Yeah, she is funny. Yeah, you got, you got a fish in, you got in, your finger. in your finger. Yeah, that's. Um, Sorry, I didn't so, yeah. mean to. I didn't mean to do that. Yes, Tim, Tim Burton. Burton. Okay, um, so that's the main thing that I'm talking about is some sort of weirdness that makes it not okay to most people. Right. The other thing, I think, is. And maybe this is sort of like the Midnight Meat Train. It's yeah. a, it's already designed to appeal to a certain community. You know, I've right. got on here um, like um, Dazed and Confused, which you and I both like, but yeah. uh, it, th- you have to have been a certain type of outsider in high school, I think, to be – that's who that movie's made for. Yeah. You know? Uh, another great one is – um, Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Yeah. Again, a movie that I really like, yeah. but it's clearly made for a gay audience. Yeah, it's a, you've seen it? Uh, no, you don't uh, see no. enough cult movies. It sounds like it sounds like it. Yeah, um, but um, yeah, I like Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the, of the Desert. But um, uh, you know, a lot of the the themes and the characters and the stories are going to be more familiar to gay men, right? Not ne- and not necessarily gay men who. Uh, dress and drag and perform, although that probably helps. Yeah. Because, <laughs> um, of course, they don't all do that. I don't know if you are aware of that, 
<laughs> no, I that, don't know. That whole gay men parade around in dresses. <laughs> I don't know. I saw that Eddie Izzard special, and he's gay, right? <laughs> I think he makes a point of saying in Dress to Kill over and over again that most transvestites fancy women. <laughs> uh, I don't recall that. I think you might be lying. Um, okay, go, uh, continue, David. Um, well, I mean, that, that was my main thing. Or like Sid and Nancy yeah. uh, is a movie that's really good. Again, you seen it? No. <laughs> uh, it's really good. You'd like Sid and Nancy. But you... Uh, maybe... You know, this is sort of like always been my complaint about Passion of the Christ, actually, is that you have to... Care, you have to go in caring about who Jesus is. Yes, I agree with that, actually. To, to watch Passion of the Christ. And I don't think that's necessarily true of Sid and Nancy, but mm-hmm. it helps. It helps yeah. to it, it helps to know what the Sex Pistols and, and what Sid Vicious mean to people. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not even a fan, really, of most of the Sex Pistols right. and, and Sid Vicious stuff. But it, it helps to know that going in. Yeah. Uh, to appreciate it, so that, that's I guess that's that's the other strain I'm talking about is uh, um, uh, a, a niche audience. Uh, you know, that's it's not necessarily weird to them. You know, yeah. like John Waters and Terry Gilliam's and even David Lynch's films are going to be weird to pretty much anybody because they're so personal. Right. You know, uh, these other films that I'm talking about are meant for a certain community, and to them, it's probably closer to normal yeah you know um i had a question and i'm not sure i don't even know if that really there is an answer i'm sure there is but uh, i don't know if we can can get there is you know why are some because there are plenty of films like this that are made from a with a very definite point of view that is probably a little different than the mainstream uh and of course as one would expect it does doesn't do that great um and then the audience finds it and I'm trying, but there are probably plenty of them that the audience does not find. And I'm trying to think of why is it that certain films get found and other ones don't. For example, here's okay. something that has fascinated me. Okay. Okay. So, Office Space, cult film. It was found. I'm sorry to keep going back to. I've, I've clearly have only seen two cult films in my life. Um, I'd like to actually run down my list sometime and see how many of them you've seen. Okay, maybe but. we'll we'll do it after the uh, end uh, the end music. That'll just be a little <laughs> bonus for people. Okay, um, and it'll just make me look bad. Well, <laughs> anyway, um, so Office Space, cult following, Idiocracy, which admittedly was d- was treated poorly by it, the studio, mm-hmm. but people knew about it. I knew about it. Of course, I. Couldn't find it anywhere because by the time I thought to look for it, it was gone. But that did not achieve the cult status that Office Space did. But it did. It did get one after a while. Extract comes out, and everything you know. It it had been. It had actors that people know. It had a filmmaker. I mean, on all the ads, and there were a lot of ads saying from the makers of. Office Space and Idiocracy, and by that time, I mean, it just came out this past year, by mm-hmm. that time, everyone knows what Office Space is. Not as many people know what Idiocracy is, but certain people know it. And Extract still pretty much failed at the box office, 
and I, I, and it just came out in DVD, so it remains to be seen if people will find Maybe it. Maybe the fact is that people have gotten so used to waiting for Mike Judge films to come out on DVD that they just assume they'd do that with extract as well. I suppose, but I guess it's just... <laughs> the, and releasing it in theaters was just a formality. <laughs> right, yeah. Look, we don't want this uh, straight-to-DVD stink all over us, so I yeah. guess we got to do this. Um, but it's just... It, it never fails to fascinate me, just the, just the, the way publicity works because as because you mentioned um snakes on a plane that was a film that was trying to tap into a cult audience but you Uh can't necessarily tap into it because what makes a cult audience that is they found it on their own without the studio feeding it to them Uh and so it, it just fascinates me there are films that you would think or certain filmmakers that have a cult following already and yet and so Extract, I really thought it would do, not, I don't think it would be number one at the box office or anything, but I thought it would do well. I think it premiered at number eight and then just fell out of the top ten completely. And so it's just like everything about that seems like it could have been successful, but again, it was trying to appeal to people who had found other movie, his other movies on their own. Yeah. And it's just, it's it's weird to try and tap into a cult market because I think if they, I feel like if they get a whiff that that they're being spoon fed something. Not to imply that Extract was that kind of film, or that it was that that was the publicity campaign behind it. I think if they if they start to feel like they're being spoon fed something, I think they just back away from it completely because that's kind of what happened with Snakes on a Plane. Um, and so I think there's just there's a whole the the like cult audiences. It really they really fascinate me because they seem. Fickle seems like the wrong word, uh-huh. but it's the only one I can think of right now. They just there's really no counting no counting on what they will like and what they won't. Um, yeah, I think that's part of the charm of of, of cult movies. <laughs> yeah, is is that it, their their discovery generally happened organically, you know? Yeah. And then there's the third kind. Okay, okay. we've talked about the weirdness. We talked about the niche community. Yeah. The third kind, the kind of cult movie that I hate. Okay. Is the movie that people saw when they were kids and they still like, oh, okay. even though uh, it sucks. Yeah, like Legend or Willow. These movies <laughs> suck. Sometimes it turns out the movie's good, like Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, a lot of my friends liked that when I was a kid. I didn't see it until I was a little bit older. Yeah, uh, that's me, actually a cool movie. Let me ask you this. Yeah, what's your take on Three Amigos? Uh, I love Three Amigos. Okay, I think I like it even more now than I did when I was a kid, and I loved it when I was a kid. Yeah, I haven't seen it in years. But I, I've read reviews of it, and critics didn't like it at the time, and I thought, shoot, maybe it's not that good. Because as I mentioned in, a, in an episode a while back, um, I recently purchased Clue for $5. Right. And I loved Clue growing up. It Watched it again. Mm, didn't hold up. Not yeah. there. Uh, that, that's a shame. Yeah. So that, that was another thing I just wanted to get uh, out of my system is that yeah. I hate legend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't have a lot of. I'm not a. I'm not a real nostalgic type of guy. Yeah, I know that. Um, There's no question about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't hold on to a lot of that. You know. Yeah. Uh, so um, it's dumb to me that people still think that Willow's a good movie because they liked it when they were a kid. Yeah, I haven't Willow seen it since dumb. I was a kid. Oh, it's so bad. There's okay. still the part like. When they're like at the top of the mountain in the snowy village, and there's that sword fight, yeah. you know, and then they ride a shield down the mountain. Okay, the shield part is dumb, but the sword fight is pretty cool. There's, <laughs> well, some, there's the... some cool sword fights in the movie. That's it. Well, and also, um, there's little things in there that because I haven't seen it uh-huh. since I was a kid, 
But I certainly remember I remember the names of like creatures and characters. Uh-huh. And I come to realize now that like, huh. Okay. The two-headed dragon. Uh-huh. What's it called? I don't remember. It's called, I believe, an Ebisisk. Okay. One of the villains is called General Kale. All right. Uh-huh. Two-headed monster, Ebisisk, Ebert and Siskel. Right. Pauline Kale. Oh, Kale. Like, it's just... I, didn't, uh, I was thinking of a different, like, John Kale. Like, everything about it just seemed uh, just like... That's funny. Screw you, critics. Oh, also, it's not a good movie. <laughs> yeah. So that's 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 the real screw you to critics, by and the I way. And I think those, you know, the two little shrunken guys? Yeah. I think their names were Andrew Saris and Jonathan Rosenbaum. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and, of course, they used to be part of a, a, a critical show called The Brownies. <laughs> um. <laughs> anyway, that's dumb. Good call it the <laughs> Andrew Saris, by the way. Uh, oh, thanks. I don't often agree with him, but uh, <laughs> I like nobody, Andrew Saris. Nobody seems to know who he is. Um, okay, so I want to talk about Showgirls. I wish you'd seen it. Okay, so All we right, can I'm talk sorry. about it because uh, it almost does seem to be what, 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 what Snakes on the Plane was trying to be. Okay, it's intentionally like just overdone, overheated, uh, silly. You know it. It's clear that I mean Paul Verhoeven is a is a smart guy. Yeah, it's it's clear he he meant to do everything dumb that he did in this movie. Yeah, you know, or everything that comes across is dumb. Yeah, because it is consistent. Yeah, uh, it, it it has a point of view. It, but my question is: Is Showgirls a good movie? Because I've never thought so. But by all the criteria that I've laid out, it should I should think of it as a good movie because, yeah. you know, my main set of criteria for a movie is what was a filmmaker hoping to achieve uh and if that if that goal was you know noble or respectable enough achieving it should make it a good movie yeah you know and uh showgirls should fit the mold but i don't like it and and i'm not sure why well i mean you said that all that should make it a good movie, uh-huh. but that doesn't necessarily mean that you should like it. Its goals might not be any might not be something that you are on board with. Okay, and its achievement of those goals is like good for you. I got nothing for you. <laughs> you know, I, I think that's uh, those two don't necessarily have to be tied together. Um, and if Paul Verhoeven feels that he he did everything that he wanted to do uh-huh. with Showgirls, then it's like all right, bully for you. Uh, but it's not for me. I don't think, I, I think that's fine. Okay. I don't think you should feel bad about that. Okay. I'm trying to think if I had any other, uh, we didn't, we, we talked a little bit about gore. Yeah. Uh, and cause that's a big thing, but you know, uh, in, in a lot of these, a lot of the, the movies, yeah. uh, that, that become cult movies like cannibal Holocaust, which I have never seen and will never see. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, uh, uh, solo, you know oh, yeah. that's that's a big one. Um, Reanimator, yeah, uh, which is awesome. Have you seen either of those? No, <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> you would not like Solo. You would like Reanimator. Yeah, I've heard I will. Yeah, um, Peeping Tom. That's a a great saw that. Example. Yeah, there you go. It was in, um, it was in a class. <laughs> so that's the, those those are the main things you know uh, that that I think make a make a cult movie. Uh, anything else to add? Uh, not particularly. I mean, I, you know, because it's just, I feel like a cult movie, I mean, if you look at the name of it, it's 
a cult movie. I think what makes a cult movie is it needs to find a following. There are plenty mm-hmm. of movies that have all these things we're talking about, but nobody cares about them. Nobody remembers them. Those aren't cult movies because they haven't found their cult, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that more than almost anything is what makes a cult movie is the way the audiences have responded to it, both when it first came out and since then. Because to a certain extent, one can make the argument that a film like Shawshank Redemption is a cult film. Oscar nominations aside, nobody really saw it. You know, same with L.A. Confidential or something like that. Well, but I remember when Entertainment Weekly, put a, Entertainment Weekly put out their list of like the best cult films of all time. Shawshank Redemption was on the list. W- was it really? Okay. Yeah. And so, I mean, in that sense, you but, know, a cult film could be anything that nobody knew about at yeah, the time. But I think too many people now like Shawshank Redemption for it to be yeah. a cult film. Either that or maybe it's just uh, the cult's real big. <laughs> what do you think of that? <laughs> all right. <laughs> by, by the way, I like Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, I do too. Um, okay, so uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, this uh, was a, this was a, a lot of fun. Yeah, and we 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 talked for twenty minutes about Jay Leno. We talked about uh, the the live show. Yeah, we, we didn't spend a whole lot of time on the topic, but I think we got something answered here. We spent a, a good chunk, okay. about forty minutes on the topic. All it's right. fine. Um, um, yeah. So hopefully. Yeah, so uh, uh, okay. Again. Meltdown Comics, February 6th at 8 p.m. Right. Uh, unless that changes, but it shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, 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 you know, send your uh, questions for Ask BP to uh, at The Pretension on yeah. Twitter. If you're not on Twitter, go ahead and join. Yeah. Or you can email it to us, but I'd rather you did it on Twitter. Because uh, here's the thing. Okay. Uh, Tyler does most things for this podcast. That's Yeah. Tyler does most of the things. So just email me to, to, so it's one less thing that Tyler has to deal with. That would be nice, yes. <laughs> yeah, so just – that's I why like that's that why I really, prefer Twitter. I like that you really spearheaded this thing. Uh-huh. It's just like, oh, man, David wants to start doing stuff. None of the existing stuff, of course. He wants to create something else <laughs> that only he will do. Yeah. And then I'll just be left with this stuff. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> but uh, – yeah, uh, and uh, let's see. So, yeah, you can – anyway, the website is battleshipprotection.com. You can find us on iTunes and subscribe. If you're not subscribed, write us a review in iTunes. That would be great. Yeah. Uh, donation subscriptions or regular donations are still yeah. available, you know, uh, and we very much appreciate those. We've gotten some big ones recently. Yeah. Uh, thanks to Jesse. That's right. Yeah. Um, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter, like I said, at The Pretension. You can follow Tyler on Twitter at More Lessons, which That's is right. the Twitter – official Twitter – of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which you can find at morethanonelesson.com. That's right. Uh, and I think that's about it. Yep. Thanks for listening. All right. Get we'll you next time. Bye. Bye. Okay, here we go. This is Spinal Tap. Yes. Harold and Maude. No. Pink Flamingos. No. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. Repo Man. Uh, yes. Scarface to Palmer. Yes. Blade Runner. Yes. Brazil. Yes. Eraserhead. Yes. Days and Confused. Yes. Hard Boiled. No. Uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yes. Akira. Oh, uh, no. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yes. Office Space. Yes. Big Lebowski. Yes. Night of the Living Dead. Yes. The Evil Dead. Yes. Showgirls. No. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes. Uh, the Wall. Yes. Adventures of Bunker Bonsai Bunker Across the Eighth Dimension. No. Legend. Yes. Blue Velvet. Yes. Wild at Heart. Oh, um... David Lynch. Half. Okay. <laughs> Lost Highway. Yes. Mulholland Drive. Yes. Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me. Yes. Stranger Than Paradise. Yes. Jacob's Ladder. No. Ooh. I know. Heathers. Yes. Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. No. Uh, Welcome to the Dollhouse. No. Happiness. 
Yes. Donnie Darko. Yes. Wet Hot American Summer. Yes. A Clockwork Orange. Yes. Battle Royale. No. Eyes Without a Face. No. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yes. The Man Who Fell to Earth. No. The Life of Brian. Yes. Solo. No. Slacker. <laughs> no. Time Bandits. Yes. Videodrome. Yes. Big Trouble in Little China. Yes. Brick. Yes. Peeping Tom. Yes. Reanimator. No. Sid and Nancy. No. Two Lane Blacktop. Yes. The Boondock Saints. Yes. American Psycho. Yes. Wild Bunch. Yes. <laughs> you should see Welcome to the Dollhouse, too. You'd like it. Yeah. <laughs>